A light to the nations with Ira Michelson and Rod Bryant. A Noahide connection. Don't go away. Strap in. You are about to see the light. You are listening to A Light to the Nations on Arut Sheva. I am here, Ira Michelson, with my co-host, the amazing, wonderful, holy brother, Rod Reuven David Bryant. Wow, Baruch Hashem. That was amazing. I've been saving up adjectives for you wow. now, my holy brother, I have, for I have weeks chills. and weeks and weeks. I have chills running up my spine. I feel like now I have to live up to that. I don't know. Yeah. So. So how is your um, how how are things going in Texas? Fantastic. Pesach this year is at another elevated level for our community. Uh, we have the, the the sisterhood came up here and cleaned out all the chametz in the facility, and they mopped and cleaned, and everything smells nice and and clean. And we've sealed off places and put a no chametz zone on the front door, and uh, we're starting to clean up around our house and. Just, this is an exciting time of the year. This is one of my favorite uh, times uh, celebrations, one of my favorite. Yeah, it's pretty amazing here as well, obviously. I mean, uh, taking a walk on the streets of Sfat, you just see everybody um, frantically going around and trying to make last-minute preparations, and obviously the cleaning is going on, and uh, Baruch Hashem, it's just, you know, this is our first Pesach in the land, um, and we're really excited about um you know about spending time with uh, with uh, people that are going to be having seder, um, and it's a little bit, bit different for us this year because, of course, it's only one night here in Eretz Yisrael, and only seven days instead of eight days like it is in the states. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a little bit different for us. Well, there's so so many uh, spiritual implications to this to this time of Pesach that we really couldn't cover it all in just a couple of shows. Last week was an amazing hit. A lot of people were sharing the whole idea of Hummets and its spiritual significance. But today we have a ex- very exciting guest that we're going to call here and uh, actually is going to be on the show with us. He's actually already in the virtual studio is uh, Alon Anava. And what a fantastic, righteous man you are. Beautiful story. You inspired me with your story the first time I saw it back a number of years ago when I think it was first posted, and um, an incredible story. Uh, he has a website that I would like to refer you guys to if you want to maybe look it up while the show is going on, is uh, alonanava.com, A-L-O-N-A-N-A-V-A.com, and uh, you are uh, a rabbi, correct? Yes. So that's it. So when did this official uh, title get conferred? Uh, officially five years ago. It's yes. For many years, I didn't make a whole... Yeah, uh, I know. I know. out of it. Yeah, well, thank you so much uh, for being on the show, taking time to be with us, and you're doing a great work in Karuv and outreach to the Jewish world. And there's a lot more than just Jewish people that are listening to your story and being inspired as well, right? Oh, Hashem, yes. All over the world. Ara? So, Rabbi... Um, you know, in keeping with the fact that we're coming very close to Pesach here in just a short time, 
Um, and Pesach really speaks to us about many things. Of course, the deliverance of our people from Mitzrayim, but also there's the idea of um, the resurrection of the dead and life after death. And you have this amazing, amazing story. I also um, watched the video and heard your testimony many years ago. Um, and I think it's so relevant um, for this time of year. So maybe you can just start telling us what what it is that's significant for you about Pesach and your story as well and how that connects. Well, the main significance and how it's connected to me is that it's true. About 13 years ago, uh, exactly on the morning of Pesach, it happened to me. I had what's called a near-death experience. I, had, uh, I, was, I suffered cardiac arrest and my heart stopped. And uh, being a total secular Jew... I grew up in Eretz Israel. I grew up in Israel, very, very secular, no connection to God, no, no connection to any type of uh, religion. I was what's called an atheist. And one day out of the blue, how it happens to half the people in the world, I just, my life stopped as a result uh, as of cardiac arrest. And I suffered what's called a near-death experience. Uh, doctors call it a clinical death because the heart was not working. But the reality what happened was that was that my neshama, my soul, just left my body. And I got uh, the, the biggest spiritual awakening one can happen. And it all happened on the morning of Pesach. So for me, the morning of Pesach, Yudalit Nisan, the 14th day of Nisan, which is the morning of Pesach when we burn the chametz and get ready for the Lel Seder, that's my second birthday because my real birthday is in Tishrei, right after uh, Rosh Hashanah. But this is my spiritual birthday. This is when it all happened to me. This is when I woke up. And so my connection to Pesach, why Pesach is such a special holiday for me, is because that's when my life changed. And it happened exactly 13 years ago. Uh, well, 13 years ago minus a week. So uh, on this Friday morning, I'm going to be celebrating my, my 13th uh, birthday. So your bar mitzvah. Yes, yes. So, Baruch Hashem, it's very exciting for me. Baruch Hashem. And after living 27 years as a secular Jew, uh, and then 13 years ago I changed my entire path. So 13 years now, Baruch Hashem, I'm, I'm living the, the life of an observant Jew and celebrating every year the holiday of Pesach with a meaning. Up, up until before that, 17 years, Pesach didn't have a meaning at all. And this is when everything changed. This is when Pesach became a, a, a meaningful day because the same way that we're taught that 3,000 years ago, or well, 3,300 years ago, we were uh, slaves in Mitzrayim, in Egypt. And on that day, we left our physical slavery into spiritual freedom. And the physical slavery was not necessarily carrying bricks and building, building uh, cities, Rather, it's the physical boundaries that we are slave to up until today. And every day a person is still in Mitzrayim, in his own Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim comes from the word Metzarim, limitations. So up until today, we're all living in our limitations, in our own Mitzrayim. And we're lucky enough to, to, to be able to leave our, our limitations and to go into spiritual freedom, which what exactly happened to the to Am Israel, to the Jews 3,000 years ago, over 3,000 years ago, is that they left their physical boundaries and, and their limitations, and they left into spiritual freedom to be able to receive the Torah. 
And this is the one of the, the, the greatest significance part of this holiday is that we have the ability to living our limitations, living our physical limitations, our jobs, our money, our, our, our debts, our relationship, anything, and to, 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 to walk to Har Sinai, to walk to receiving the Torah, to receiving the spiritual freedom that we're meant to get. So for me, Pesach is a very special time. It's a time when I, when I, when I know, when I felt on my own flesh and blood, living my own limitations into spiritual freedom. And uh, the story, the story is 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 fascinating because I, I I grew up, I grew up totally not religious, no no connection to religion. I I I actually hated religion. I hated religious people. I grew up in Israel and I was kind of brainwashed to hate religion and to hate religious people and to hate everything that that has to do with it. And in the middle of my life, out of the blue, one time, lights went out. Uh, and and I I saw what's called the lights and uh, and yes it has a great connection to to Pesach because we're, in Pesach we're learning about the resurrection of the dead and and that's when I really got to see everything so if you know the way it starts is that I I grew up in Israel. And I lived uh, at the time in New York when I was 23 years old. I left New York. I left uh, Israel and I moved to New York. And the whole thing happened when I was 27 years old. And when I was living at the time in New York, I didn't really care about anything. Just, you know, running after money, running after partying, running after fun. Anything, anything else but spirituality. And one day out of the blue, one night I went to a party. At that time, Pesach was on Motzei Shabbat. Uh, let's say there was Motzei Shabbat on Saturday night. So the morning was Saturday morning, which in itself, I always see how special it was that it happened, first of all, in the morning of Pesach. But more than that, it also happened on Shabbat, on Saturday, which is our holy day. So it was like double the power. And I was in a party in Manhattan. And towards the end of the party, somebody was passing around like a, a, a smoking device that you smoke drugs with. And I really didn't know what I'm using, what I'm taking. And I started feeling very, very sick. But not sick that I had to throw up or that I'm dizzy or anything like that. I, I literally knew I'm about to die. Mm. And... I when, left the building. When you said you knew you were about to die, what, what, what was the sensation? Was this like a psychological thing? Was you, was you feeling ill? What, what was the... Uh, the easiest way to explain it is that when you experience something, you know what you experience. So mm-hmm. if you're experiencing a headache or you're hungry or you're experiencing a, a, an, an amazing happiness, you know what you're feeling because you are experiencing it. It's part of you. Right. Okay. So... On the same level, I knew I just got this, what's called a level of, uh, of yedi'ah, they call it in Hebrew, hasaga, grasping. I just knew. The reality was that when I left the building, all I wanted to do is go home. And I went into a cab to take a, a, a ride home. And how I really knew is that, that suddenly the whole world froze. The world became like a picture, like a, a screen that you pause the, the, the movie and the screen freezes, 
the whole world froze. Mm. It lost its 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 uh, reality. And that's when I, I really felt, and there's really no words to describe it, because the whole experience is so spiritual that words don't do justice to, 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 to such an experience. Rabbi, and, was anybody with you at the time, or were you by yourself? Yes, I, there was a, a friend with me, a female friend, mm -hmm. huh. who was with me in the party, and we left together from the party. And she was with me the whole time. She was with me in the car, and she was with me when, I, when we got to the hospital, and part of the story was that I actually saw. I'll go. Th I'll go to details more in, in in a minute. But I saw her entire life, and later on, when I woke up, I, I literally told her every piece of her life, which was amazing for me to to realize that this experience was more than just a a, a dream or something. Because many people say, okay, maybe it was a dream. Maybe it was a you know. There's all sorts of chemicals released in your brain while, while you're in a coma or when you die. But uh, I saw her entire life. I saw everything that was around me. But one of them, was since she was so close, I saw her entire life. And I was able to repeat every little piece of her life. And she confirmed every detail, which was beyond amazing later on to realize how, how true and, and powerful this whole thing was. Mm. But the beginning it started is that the whole world froze. The world didn't have an existence. It was like a movie that suddenly stopped, and that's how I saw it. And it felt like 20 minutes that the world is a picture. The world didn't have any existence. And I just got this understanding and knowledge that I'm about to die. I knew I'm about to die. It was obvious. And I knew I'm about to meet the master of the universe, this famous God that everybody's talking about that I never had anything to do with. And at the time, Baruch Hashem, by the time I, I had a lot of money and I, and, I, and I was very successful, and I knew that everything that I owned, the car, the house, money in the accounts, I knew it's all staying behind. I knew all the physical uh, uh, things that I have are staying behind. And I realized and I knew 100% that I'm coming empty-handed because the only thing that I could come up with was a mitzvah. And I didn't even have a mitzvah. I didn't even have one mitzvah to go up with me. And it was just beyond obvious and, 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 and clear that I'm about to meet this master of the universe, this God of the world that everybody's talking about. And I knew that I'm coming empty-handed, and it literally felt like I, I, I wasted my life. I, I was sitting in the backseat of the car. The world is, is a picture. Nothing moved. And I came to the realization that I wasted 27 and a half years of my life on running after nonsense. And the only true, meaningful, important thing that I can take with me, I did not have. And, and this, comes, this comes from a place to where you've never really considered those ideas before in your life. Never. Never. And so it wasn't even part of a thought process, but instantly, as soon as you begin this, this what do you call, process, immediately you knew. That's amazing, exactly. amazing. The most amazing part was that not only that I didn't have any knowledge about religion or mitzvot, I didn't care. And in Israel, you can't ignore religion. It's not that you, if you live in Alaska, you barely see it. When you live in Israel, you see religious people, you, you, you know what's going on, and religious people approach you every day. Right. And they try to, you know, wake you up. And, and I was not only so ignorant, I was like a brick wall. Hmm. And this was the first time in my life that my 
spiritual eyes woke up and I saw for the first time in my life, wait a minute, this, what is this world about? This world, your life ends in one second. People wake up in the morning, they go to work, they get into their car, running to a car accident, and that's it. Life is over in one second. Hmm. And then what happens that second before you leave the world is that you realize, wait a minute, what did I do for the last 20, 30, 80 years? I, I, what was I concentrating on? And that's what was going on in my mind in the backseat of the car. I had this realization. I literally did what's called in, in the Jewish terminology, hirhur tshuva. Mm. To do tshuva, to repent, you need action. You need to do something. I didn't have time to do action because I didn't have any anything what to do the tshuva with, the repent with. But I could do it in my mind. And I literally felt that I'm sitting in the back seat of the car and doing repenting, doing tshuva in my mind and thinking of all the things that I could have done and, and regretting all the mistakes that I did. And it says in the Holy Book of the Zohar, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says that a person can be a total wicked Wicked in, in, the, in the terminology of the heavenly court, not wicked because he's a mean person. Rather, a person that is far away from mitzvot and Torah and can be considered in Shemaim that he has no place in the world to come. But if he does what's called the hirhur tshuva, thinking for one second to repent, he still has, he's opening some type of a gap to have a window to come to the world to come. Yes, that's good. And, and it literally felt that I'm sitting in the backseat of the car and doing tshuva. And out of the blue, out of like about 20 minutes, it seemed like 20 minutes, which was probably about a second, I suddenly covered my eyes and I said the verse, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, but with Hashem's name, not Hashem Elokeinu, mm -hmm. which literally says, I give up. I, 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 I totally give myself to you. I, I what's called Moser Nefesh. I'm giving my soul to you because there's nothing but you. There's only one God. And the second that I acknowledge that I'm nothing and there's a greater being above me, this creator of the universe, the second that I gave up and I said, Shema Yisrael, that's when, my, when I fell down. That's when I fell down on the girl that was sitting next to me. And that's when the whole thing started, which I'm assuming that that's the time when my, actually, my body actually died, which was in the cab. Now, was, was the girl that you were with, was she aware that you were going through this up to this point before you fell down? Uh, I'm, I don't think she was aware. And later on when she told me she wasn't aware that something's going on, I kept telling her that I feel real bad. Mm -hmm. uh, she became aware only when I literally fell on her and she was saying that that she noticed right away that I'm, that I'm out. She said that I was I'm not breathing. Uh, she gave all the signs that, that I literally... Passed out. Mm. Passed out meaning died. Right. It was like you weren't breathing, you didn't have any pulse, your, your eyes were wide open. And right away, of course, she instructed the cab to go to the hospital, which the entire experience where I went up to the heavens, the, the cab was driving to the hospital. And when I woke up, I, would, I already woke up in the hospital. Okay. So, Rabbi, when you, um, when you were having this experience, it, it, it really what you're saying is, you really hadn't yet died. It was just after that, after the Shema, and then you said you fell on top of the girl. Um, and so right. that was kind of the death. So obviously there is much, much more detail to this as to what happened after that. I have, I have a question, though. Just interested if, while, while you had this sense that you were getting ready to meet Rabbono Shalom, the master of the universe, um, was and obviously that has to be, with incredible light, was there any darkness 
uh, involved in your experience, in this uh, near-death experience that you had? The thing, the, the experience starts, and usually, especially when we're sh- so short on time, the experience starts, and in a lot of places I actually don't say it because I try to keep my experience as normal as possible, and the mm-hmm. details themselves are not normal. But I try to keep it as normal as possible because people lose the, the they say it sounds too much. But the reality was, and that's the main reason how I knew I'm about to die, is that already in the party I saw the famous Malacha Mavet, this angel of death that comes to take the soul out of the body. I already saw him in the party and he kind of came to tell me, that's it, you're out, buddy. I'm coming wow. to take you. Wow. And there's no words to describe how that felt, but every corner of the room that I looked, he was there. So I looked in one corner and I got very scared because he was talking to me in my mind. I turned to the other corner of the room to run away and he was already there. Mm. Now the experience itself, I can can say it was 50% light, 50% darkness. The light was because it has to do with God. and that God is only light. But since I didn't have any connection to God, then my experience started with a lot of darkness meaning darkness in the metaphoric way, not necessarily in a, in a physical way. In the beginning of the experience, I just left my body and I was just flying over my body. The car was driving in Manhattan and I was like a magnet over the car and I was kind of like taking off like a balloon, going, uh, going higher and higher. And I saw the entire thing from above. I saw the entire city from above. I was flying over the, the body and as I was taking off, this physical uh, border, this physical uh, 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 thing that we see was removed and I was able to see all the spiritual, uh, I like calling it the graphic design of the world, but the spiritual structure of the world. It's so like, the, saw, like the matrix that's inside of all of that. Exactly. I, I call it the graphic design of the world, but really this is, this is like the godly power that creates the world, the energy that creates the world. And I was able to see everything and relate to everything. I heard everything that's going on around me. I was able to see the past, the present. I, 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 the, this godly revelation was way beyond words and very hard to describe in a few minutes. But I described it more in depth in my, in my video and in my lectures. Rabbi, we are coming up on a break. We're going to have to take this break. Don't touch the dial. You're listening to Arut Sheva's Light to the Nations with Ira Michelson and Rod Bryant. And we'll be back with our guest, Rabbi Alon Anava. See you in a minute. to a light to the nations with Ira Michelson and Rod Bryant here on Israel National Radio. You're listening to a light to the nations on Arut Sheva. Thank you for coming back and not touching the dial. We have with us uh, Rabbi Alon Anava telling an amazing story about dying and going before the Holy Court, something that you cannot uh, miss. So whatever you're doing, drop it, pull off the side of the road, 
get you a Coca-Cola set and listen to this great story. It'll change your life. Uh, Rabbi, as we were coming into the break, you had just mentioned that after falling over into the seat, knowing that your your soul had sort of lifted out of your body, it was still at some level uh, uh, connected with the cord at some level. You were traveling like above the cab, and then you said that you were released or um, you, you were able to see into the creative order of or that was behind the the veil of physicality. Can you explain that and, and go on with your story? I will give the short version of the of the explanation. But the second that my soul left my body, I was literally hovering over my body. I saw everything from above. Uh, I suddenly got like a, a, an addition power to see how the world is created and not how we see it in our physical eyes. So instantly I was able to see everything that is around me. So the girl that my body was on, I saw her entire life. I was like as if I went through her and I saw her entire life from the day she was born to that day. And when I see saw her life, it's like I, I was in her body. So I was thinking her thoughts and, and, and feeling her feelings. And I was becoming one with, with everything. So I was able to see the godly power that enlivens the world. Not how we see, you know, buildings or trees or sky or cars. We see like the physicality. I was able to see like kind of like the code that creates the world, like a programmer that writes a code for a, a software. Mm-hmm. If you would look at it, nothing makes sense. It's just a bunch of letters. But, you know, once he's done, voila, you have a beautiful website, you have a beautiful software. Same thing I was able to see, like this code that creates the world. And as all this was happening, I was going higher and higher and higher, and I was literally flying over the city like a bird. And seeing everything, and the same way that I saw this girl's life, I saw everything around me. So all I heard, I was like hearing thousands of thoughts all around me. And I was able to see everything around me, which to really hear all the details, you have to hear the entire thing about this part. I want to kind of move a little bit forward because because I want to cover other parts of the experience. From this point, it was, it felt like instantly something grabbed me. And I was sucked into this void of darkness, which was very scary and very painful. Scary because I didn't know where, where, where I am and how I got there. And painful because it literally felt like it's squashing me. Mm. But to make a long story short, the pain that I felt, this torture that I felt, and this feeling of isolation was only as a result that I didn't have any connection to God. And we know we have a connection to God through our mitzvot, through our good deeds, through our Torah studying. Since I didn't have any connection, then I didn't have, I didn't have any feeling. So I, I experienced this not normal pain and torture because I didn't have this connection to God. And from that, I was like as if screaming to God to help me. And then what I saw, you know, the famous light that everybody sees this dot of light that instantly became this massive screen of this white, bright light. From there, I was kind of like sucked in into this light. And I woke up in this realm of unbelievable pleasure of knowledge. Now, let me ask you this. You had mentioned in the video, and it really is an important part, that you talked about uh, 
you were there for an eternity. I mean, the concept is because there is no time in this place, if you're in it one second, you have been in eternity. It's been an eternity. Can you explain that real quick? It literally felt, I say in the video and I say in my lectures, that it felt like I was there for two billion years. The reason why I say billion years because it literally felt, since there wasn't any concept of time, we only have the concept of time in this world. In the spiritual world, there's no such a thing as time. So since there's no such aspect of time, then you can't say, oh, I was there for a year or two years. It literally felt like eternity since there wasn't the aspect of time. Now, since it felt so eternal or so long, that's what made it so bad. Because mm-hmm. if a person is suffering in this world for a year or a minute or an hour or 10 years, there's a limit. There's an end to the suffering. Here, there wasn't an end. It felt like an eternal feeling, which, again, words cannot really explain, especially not in a short uh, explanation, right. how a concept that our mind cannot understand that there's no such thing as time. Mm-hmm. But it literally felt like I'm stuck in that void of darkness, which came with many other things, but it felt like this void of darkness. I felt like I was pressured, mm-hmm. like as if this darkness was so thick it was squashing me. Mm-hmm. And that felt like eternal, eternal uh, 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 torture, mm. which the end of it was, you know, I felt like it the whole time that I'm screaming to God to help me, to, to, to forgive me, to get me out of it. And the salvation, so-called, was the suddenly I saw this dot of light. Mm-hmm. And this light was coming closer to me and closer to me and closer to me and bigger and bigger. And I knew that behind this white, bright light is the master of the universe. That was just obvious, no questions, no doubts. Behind this light was the master of the universe. And instantly it felt like I was sucked into this light. And instantly I emerged and became one with this light. And this light was, I, you know, I can tr- I translate this light into many different things. The first thing that it hit me that was this not normal pleasure. I literally felt them being electrified with pleasure. And the pleasure was seeing this godly revelation, this divine information that instantly I was a genius. Instantly I knew all the secrets of all the universe, all the godly wisdom. It has nothing to do with this world. This world looked like a prehistoric planet. <laughs> That's true, yeah. It, it, it was literally like that. And not only that, I saw this panoramic picture of the, of the world. From the day it was created... Till the last day, this one perfect picture, this genius master plan that made me realize how we see the world, we're looking at one piece of a billion piece puzzle and we judge the entire world Mm. according to this one piece. So when we see diseases and holocausts and terror attacks and and kids being burned, we see tragedies. We do not understand it, and we right away, we go and blame God, and we doubt God, but we only see one piece of a billion-piece puzzle, and nothing makes sense. And I saw this panoramic picture that it was a genius master plan. Everything made sense. And just seeing it gave me this not normal pleasure. This this is really amazing. And and Rod, I'm sure that we're not going to be able to just do this in one show. I feel like... We're going to have to have the rabbi back and and maybe do another show on this so we can really go into more detail. But I think it's really important with what you're sharing, um, especially when you shared about the the idea of being sucked into that darkness, 
kind of this idea of really a separation from Hashem, that really you, you just felt so far away from Hashem in that for that eternity. One of the things that really touches me, and I don't, I don't want to give up on this show without you speaking to a specific group of people, um, and that specific group of people are the young people in Eretz Yisrael. You know, being here in Sfat, I see a lot of these young people, I'm sure you know about this, Rabbi, a lot of the young people that are disillusioned, they go to Tzahal, they go into the army, um, they feel it, they get disillusioned with Eretz Yisrael, they grew up secular, even if they grew up religious and maybe they go off to Derech, they end up going to India, they go up, they end up traveling all over to Tibet, looking for spiritual light, looking for a connection spiritually. I don't think it would be fair our audience, unless we had you speak to them today, knowing where you've been, knowing that you were like them, um, that you would speak to them for just a few minutes today before we, uh, before we go on. So the truth is exactly how you said. I was also in the IDF in Sahal, and right after that I traveled the world, and I traveled to India and all the other far places. The difference with me was I wasn't looking for spirituality. I was looking for fun. Mm. The reality is that all the spiritual cultures all around the world, they originate from Judaism because this is the ultimate spirituality. The fact that it's hidden behind a physical thing, then it makes it not so attractive. Other spiritual cultures, they make it look very attractive. You're meditating on a beautiful mountain, etc. Our religion is is concentrating on physical things, on, on, on physical mitzvot, which cover the ultimate spirituality, which what is the ultimate spirituality? The connection between the ultimate spiritual to the ultimate physical. That's why all our mitzvot are physical, because we're taking something from the highest physical realm and connecting it into the physical realm, which is, which is called in Hebrew to take something that is bligvul with no limitation and putting it in gvul in limitation. So the reality is that the ultimate spirituality is hidden within Judaism, and to travel around the world to search for it, it's a waste of money and a waste of time. Because I was, I went all the way around the world. I I, I tried to cover every spot in the world, but again, not to find spirituality, rather to 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 enjoy myself. And, and I literally found that all the places in the world, everywhere that I, I, my foot stepped, the, the, all the spiritual, the spirituality they, they give you is maybe it's, you know, there's something in it, but you get maybe 1% of the entire thing. You don't get the real thing. And there's so many numerous stories. I actually recently heard an amazing story about this young guy who traveled to the Far East to learn martial arts and he's, he mastered martial arts for years. And they told him, when you get to a certain level, we're going to take you to our, to our guru to reveal to you the source of our power. After years of him mastering the martial arts, they took him on a journey to a faraway place. And they went into the, to, 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 to their uh, uh, dome or whatever you would call it. And I'm telling the story in a short version, but they finally brought him into the chambers of chambers of chambers. And they told him, before we reveal to you our source of energy, take a deep breath. They opened up a certain arc. And what does he see? He sees the name of Hashem, Yud K Vav K. And they're telling him, this is our, the source of our energy. Amazing. So wow. And, and wow. the story is actually really amazing. I'm telling you the real short version of it. 
The reality is all the powers of the world, all the spiritual powers of the world, they're all, they all feed from us. They all feed from us. So literally, if you want the source, and I have numerous, numerous stories of people who traveled and became gurus and shmurus and, and whatever you want. <laughs> but when they finalized, they finished their, their, their circle, they found out that the ultimate source, the main source of the, this spiritual is, is right in the tip of our hands. Right. Not only it's in the tip of our hands, it's in the land that we own. Right. It's our land. And we are actually holding the source of all this energy. It's just in front of us. And you know, in Hebrew they say, There's so many trees, you don't see the forest. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have everything right in front of you, but you don't see it because it's so close to you. Can you take a moment uh, to go, let's go back to the story, because what you just addressed really is cemented with the idea that you saw the big picture. You you understood at a level uh, that you, it's even hard to explain today. But with that knowledge came a, a tremendous amount of transparency that you had before the Creator. Can you talk about that in the light of what we just talked about? After seeing this genius master plan, this panoramic picture, I was actually taken into this huge room that's, in that first place where I saw all this godly wisdom, the, the, the feeling was not normal pleasure, like an amazing warmth and, and, and pleasure. But right after that, I came into another room, which I felt that I'm standing there completely naked, naked not because I didn't have clothes, it wasn't a body, rather naked from mitzvot and good deeds and Torah. And I felt that all the souls of all the Jews are standing around me, and I was literally like transparent. Everything was obvious. Everything that I did was obvious, which was the feeling was beyond, beyond shame because everybody knew everything about me. But in that huge room, which I'm saying room, but it wasn't really a room. It was more like a, like a, a stadium. It felt like the presence of Hashem filled this entire place. And it literally felt not like Hashem is standing in front of me and upset at me or angry at me. It literally felt that my my head was down. You know, when somebody's very embarrassed, he puts his head down. He can't look you in your eyes. It felt like my head was down, and I knew that if I lift up my head, I'm going to see God. I'm going to see Hashem. And it literally felt like Hashem told me, what did you do? I sent you down to this world with a list of things not to do and a list of things to do, and everything I told you not to do, you did, and everything I told you to do, you didn't do. And it literally felt that I broke Hashem's heart, that I totally disappointed my father, that everything that he asked me to do, I, I, I did not do. And it was this feeling that I, I was sent as a messenger down to this world to fulfill a mission. And I totally messed it up. And the result was that I totally broke Hashem's heart. It wasn't anger, it wasn't, uh, you know, Fear. It wasn't. It didn't feel like Hashem wants to break my bones, like how some people pay, say that you know. No, it felt like I totally, totally disappointed my father. I didn't know what to do with myself from this shame. From that room, they took me to like this heavenly court where they showed me my entire life, all the things that I ever did, all the good, all the bad. Unfortunately, there was more bad than good. Which then they gave me the option of coming back down by saying, if you want to come down. To this world, 
you can come down, but only if you do tshuva, only if you repent, only if you change your way, and only if you affect the entire world around you by teaching other people that uh, they that we all have to have a connection to God. You can't just live your life like as if there's nothing nothing waiting after there. No, were you, were you communicating also uh, with with Hashem during this time, or ever who the judges were, or the a chief judge? I mean, were you? talking back or you were just in the receiving mode only uh, it's very hard to explain by saying talking or listening because everything was more in a in a very different way of communication it was more like an awareness mm-hmm. kind of like a very powerful dream like in a dream you don't really talk right you don't have a conversation in a dream but you have this awareness of what's going on and you have this some type of communication between you and whatever's around you so there wasn't really talking. I had the option of talk of communicating. Uh, it literally felt, with no exaggeration, that Hashem was literally talking to me and referring to me and 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 telling me. I couldn't see who were the judges. Uh, I couldn't see anything that was around me, so I didn't recognize anything. I saw all the people who were connected to my life and that I ever did anything to, because when my life was pointed out every time that I lied or stole or cheated. The person that I hurt was there. So I was seeing a lot of people from my life. And it literally felt like Hashem was talking to me. Again, not with words. It wasn't really words. You have to kind of kind of uh, go with the flow. It's not really words. There wasn't sounds. There wasn't a, 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 a voice. It was literally like a very powerful, magnified uh, dream, a very strong awareness of, of uh, what's going on. And in that time, yes, it literally felt like Hashem was communicating with me. The, the actual, the second before I woke up and I agreed for, to the deal to accept to do tshuva and to change my path, it literally felt like Hashem told me in, in Hebrew, you have to do tshuva, you have to repent, you have to change your way. So the communication was not really in words. This is where it comes difficult to explain it. Right. But in, when I give lectures and when I on my video, I give it more in depth. Or I give a lot of parables to kind of explain how it sounds, how mm-hmm. it was. So really, it's 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 you're so connected in this in that space or that place that you are uh, absolutely at every level of if you could describe every molecule was connected to the thought of Hashem. And it, you knew instantly, so that's how the community it makes sense. Exactly. I, and I've heard that before. It's very good. So you know, there's a there's a ahead. verse. Sorry, there's a verse that says "En od milvado." We say it. It's very common. Everybody knows it. It literally felt like "En od milvado." There's nothing but him. Right. It literally felt there's no existence but Hashem. Right. You know, and we say there's another verse that says, you know, kevado." The entire world is filled with His presence. That's right. how it felt. That everything is God. With with that in mind, your major move was to make the decision to to say, okay, I, I will do that. I if if I can get another chance, I will go back. I will be religious. Talk to me about that process. Um, how difficult was it to make that decision there, or was it a no brainer? It's like I have no choice. I'm going to do it. But after uh, you came back, what, talk to me about that. It wasn't that I didn't have a choice or wasn't a no-brainer. It was exactly like at the time of Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah, that Hashem, it says that Hashem ripped the mountain, turned it over the Jews and told them, accept my Torah or I'm going to bury you here. Right. 
this is the literal part of it, but the the, rea- the reality was that Hashem showed them so much love that they just was, we want the Torah. Here, it's, they just showed me what I can gain by living my life as an observant Jew. There wasn't the word religion there. Right. There was the word Jew. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, I chose it because it was like... There's no, there was, like how you said, a no-brainer. Right, right. Why, why, there's no other choice. It's like, you have yeah, to do it. No-brainer, like, right. It's like right. me, like, you handing me out a rotten apple or you handing me out a sack of a million dollars. Right. Of course, it's a no-brainer what I'm <laughs> going to choose. And in this world, of course, it wasn't easy. At the age of 28, to suddenly change my life, it wasn't easy. It took me about two years just to get used to the idea that I have to become observant. And, and it's not, it wasn't easy, I can tell you that. But it's 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 possible because people do it, and I did it, and I changed my life from one end to the complete other. Wow, you know, we only have about a minute, so I'd like to for you to take a moment, and we want to have you back on the show, so we'll reschedule you as I, soon as we can, because we want to talk about some details. But uh, take a moment, ask, uh, let us uh, know how we can get a hold of your you on your website, your Facebook page, uh, where the video is at. I believe it's actually on the first front page. Yes, uh, just share that information for us. Yeah, on my website, you can find the video. The website is my name, alonanava.com. The easiest way to find me, I'm not going to go into length because I'm all over the place. Just Google my name, Rabbi Alon Anava, A-L-O-N-A-N-A-V-A. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Pinterest. I'm on YouTube. I'm everywhere. <laughs> uh, you can contact me directly, directly through all these places, through Facebook, uh, through my website. You can contact me. My email is my name, alonanava at gmail. Uh, I'm already getting hundreds of emails every day. You're not going to be adding more emails. <laughs> and be, 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 be patient too, right? Platform. I'm everywhere. Just Google my name. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook and YouTube where I post dozens of videos of classes and lectures. And wherever you are in the world, you can actually see where I am. And I give lectures all over the world. You just need to follow me on all the social media and websites. And you'll see right now I'm in the West Coast in California. In the summer, I'm going to be in the East Coast. After that, I'm going to be in Israel. I give lectures all over the world. You can find it. Just follow Rabbi me on, on the social media. Rabbi, thank you so much, your prince. Thank you for taking time to be with us. And for Ira Michelson, Rod Bryant, and Rabbi Aaron, shalom and have a wonderful Pesach. Yeah.